Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, welcome to PM here on Ausbiz Live from our Brangaroo Studios. We kick off the afternoon as always with the call. 10 stocks picked by you. I put your stocks, your suggestions to two experts on our panel and we do it all in one hour. And today, Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool will be joining us very shortly. And in the studio, Ben Clark from TMS Capital. Ben, how are you? I'm good. Uh, feeling on the markets at the moment, general view? Uh, it, it's gone very quiet. Uh, volatility, you know, we're not seeing those big swings each night. I uh. think the markets are still digesting and much better than expected expected quarterly earnings season in America. Uh, So I think that's been a real shot in the arm for the US market. And it does like there were three Fed voting members that spoke last night and two of them were pretty firm saying it's probably on hold for now on rates. So that's that's good. That's a good sign. We are going into a bit of a weaker period. We have had a pretty strong run now this year without a lot of corrections. So wouldn't rule out a pullback, but you know, the fit sentiment to me still feels really negative despite a market that's grinding higher. So yeah. um, that probably means that there's money looking to buy dips and okay. probably means you don't get the deeper dips that a lot of people are hoping for. Mm, okay. Well, um, often we have Carl Kapalinger on uh, with you to get the chartist view, but I'm being bombarded with charts at the moment saying <laughs> that this is the same one as nine, uh, 2009 that it was going to come down and then Nathan Somersandaran posted another head and shoulders yeah. ready for a dip. So yeah. all the technical guys are going, whoa, things don't look. Yeah, but, which means they're all probably in cash. Yes. Which means, you know, yeah. that's... I, look, and I, I, I can understand the argument. Like I, I listened to um, Stanley Druckenmiller talking at Sohn last night and that was not (laughs) that was a reality check Um, probably one of the world's greatest ever investors and uh he's pretty bearish on the u.s economy and and what's going to happen from here so debt levels came out last night in the u.s as well which massive increase in debt levels consumer debt there's a lot of things you know he was sort of talking about like in his 40-year career trucking is one of the main indexes that he's always used to measure what's going to happen in the economy and um, he said it's about an eight month lead time and he said when you speak to the um, CEOs running those companies they're just like it's awful out there so um, but it's oh I have to put in a call to Lindsay Fox See how that's get going. On, get him on, Koshy. Good to <laughs> listen to. Fox, the trucking index. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Because we don't have, you know, we used to have toll, but yes. they obviously got taken out by the Japanese. Yeah. So there's, there's Lindsay Australia. There's a couple of little ones, little but ones. Um, nothing we can oh, really look we at. We might test yeah. that one. All okay. right, Ben. Good, good thought starter for us. Uh, let's take a look at the stocks we're going to uh, be uh, passing the ruler over in the first half hour, select Harvest, the Almond people, uh, Weebit Nano, Metrics Master Income Trust, Emerald Resources, Jumbo Interactive. Um, and joining us now, Scott Phillips from Motley Fool. Scott, how are you, sir? 
Koshi, I'm very well, thank you. I had some slight internet issues, mate, but yeah. we're all good. I'm here and ready and raring Excellent. to go. Excellent. Yep, we can't wait. All right, I'm gonna hit you, <laughs> I'm gonna hit you up first on the James Hardy update uh, today as our stock of the day, full year net profit, mm. 605 US million dollars, uh, record sales up four percent. But if we look at the fourth quarter compared to the same period last year, sales down 5%, income down 18 Guidance for Q1 2024, uh, the income range expected to be between 125, 165 uh, million US. Margin range 28 to 30%. I think that has caught the eye of a lot of analysts. Um, share price up 8% today on the back of it. Um, Scott, what do you think of James Huddy? Because there's been a, a question mark over US operations, hasn't there? Yeah, mate, there really has. A combination of the economic circumstances over there and the general profitability of the business. It's not the first time we've seen very different economic circumstances for Australian businesses, both here and overseas. Uh, look, honestly, the, the, the outlook is, is pretty good. And I think that the real question for investors is, where does James Huddy sit in the economic cycle right now? Because again, if you're looking at any share price and how much do I pay for this business, the answer is usually should be at least uh, a question of how much the long-term earnings power of this company is worth. So put it out three, four, five, six years and say, what's the company going to do or what's it likely to do? How much am I paying for that? How likely is it to be accurate or, or volatile in the process? That's the real challenge. I mean, if I only look at Hardy's, I don't reckon they've had two straight, in the last, uh, last 10 years, there's only been twice when they've had consecutive increases in profit year on year. Oh. It's been a really, really rocky ride. So 13 and 14 were positive at 15, so that was the first one. Down in 16, up in 17, down in 18, up in 19. Up again in 20, that was the second one. And then down in 2021 and back up in 2022. That's the that's the challenge, I think, with, with businesses like this, is trying to work out where are we in the cycle? How much do you pay for that? I am a little bit loath, mate, to pay too much for, for Hardy's on that basis. Uh, I don't blame the market for being excited about the upgrade. That's a positive, or at least the, the higher than expected outlook. I don't know how sustainable the current level of earnings is, mate. So I'm a little bit concerned, I have to say. If you look at the company's current PE of 18 times, odd to be a little bit higher now. But again, of course, uh, future earnings hopefully higher as well. I don't want to pay 18 times for a cyclical business at or near the top of its powers. Mm. Okay. All right. Uh, ben, James Hardy, does it excite you? Uh, potentially. I mean, I think this stock kind of encapsulates the arm wrestle that's going on in the market at the moment where yep. every man and his dog has caught a recession and is wary of the stocks that are exposed to a downturn in the economy. And they, these stocks are actually, you know, they're not shooting the lights out, but they're surprising investors in how well the business's earnings are holding up and the guidance. Like, you're right, the, the margin guidance was the thing I think that really caught the market's attention. Yeah. They set a 25% EBIT margin in any volume um, circumstances. So That's a pretty good margin, isn't it? For a building business, <laughs> yeah. you know, they're normally pretty yep. thin. So, I, yeah, I agree. Um, it's on 19 times forward earnings. But just to give you an idea, their guidance for the next quarter was 30% higher than the consensus analyst forecast had. That's a big difference. Yeah. Uh, so I'll say a hold with right. a recommendation. I, th I think it's a tricky one because I don't know the US market as well, but we all are looking at the net migration numbers that are forecast to come into Australia. We all see the issues that are happening in rent and housing markets. Like there's going to need to be a lot of houses built. And yep. I reckon the same is probably going to tr be true in America. I, I would have said the net migration is going to surge back there as well. Yeah. So this, the, you know, I get really confused with the figure. 
new home yeah. building approvals down to a 10-year low. Yeah. Came out last week. I was reading yesterday, 61,000 construction jobs going to go Wow. in the next two years. Uh, it was forecast by the housing industry or something because yeah. of um, builders going broke. Yeah. And I keep thinking, we're heading for a, just a schmozzle here. Yeah, I don't we know are. what's going to happen. 1.7 million people forecast to come in nets to come to the country yeah. over the next five years. And we've already got a very tight housing market as it is. So. Yeah. You know, um, Albanese, is he, he's continuing to pitch for this um, housing fund to build a million new houses in the next five years. But there's a lot of structural issues, it feels like, in the, right. in the sector in terms of how you actually achieve that. Um, if you're going to have workers being laid off, uh, yeah. how do you achieve that? And builders need to make broke. money, yeah. ultimately, otherwise they won't do it. So, yeah. But if it does happen... That's a lot of new housing mm-hmm. stock, and most of that will have James Hardy Fibre Cement yep. Board, in, you know, being okay. used and Boral and yeah. all of those. Okay, yeah. beneficiaries. Reese, um, let's get into the stocks that you want us to have a look at. And Mahal Ben wants a view on Select Harvest, the big almond grower ag stock. Um, sort of grows them, package them, export them, the whole lot. After. Uh, <laughs> After after the elders update yesterday, is anyone going near any ag stocks at the moment? Well, it's it's been a reminder, I think, that agriculture is highly cyclical, and there's so many different moving parts. Um, yeah. I'm going to go a hold on select, and I'll oh. preface it by saying it's definitely not a business I would normally own. I just think there's so many different things that can go right and or go wrong that you couldn't potentially predict. So you've got, you know, the crop conditions, the growing conditions, what's the almond price going to be? What's the fertilizer price? Um, water price and water access are big issues, very water intensive almonds. Um, yeah. So, and then you've got all the weather issues on top of that. Um, the assets of this business, I'm sure, are probably worth more than the share price. Uh, they've gone through three years of La Nina, which from what I read is horrible for them they want the el nino that's coming apparently oh, you know they want okay. hot they want sunny dry, dry conditions right, okay. uh, so i'm going to go a hold because i think this is a cyclical stock and now's probably the time you do get interested in it because yeah, like um, uh, a, a series of production downgrades as a result of weather but the you know the el nino is almost as widely forecast as the u.s recession and uh that's <laughs> that should mean the next few years look a lot better for them okay. and the share price is right out of favor all right uh scott what do you think of select harvest were you were you yep. bur- were you burned by the elders result i was saying to the panel yesterday i'd never seen a stock so heavily backed by analysts in the last six months that has done nothing in that six months yeah. and then disappointed <laughs> yesterday. It was extraordinary. Yeah, it was, mate. Uh, yes, we were. It's a buy for us. It still is a buy for us elders, I think, by the way. Um, and it's a really, it's a good, well, I think the combination of the conversation, elders yesterday, and then we've already talked about Hardy's. Think about both agriculture, think about volatility, think about cyclicality, and also think about where a company is in its earnings cycle, where those companies are cyclical, because while I wouldn't want to pay 18 times earnings for James Hardy, somewhere near a peak or at least a historical peak, doesn't mean they can't go higher. Um, Select is, as Ben's already highlighted, almost the exact reverse of that. This is a business trading 86 times earning, which seems extraordinary, mm-hmm. except when you look at what's happened to the profitability because of the agricultural circumstances, this may well be the very opportunity for investors to have a look. Um, I'm not going to call it a buy, mate, because it is, again, predicting weather, as Ben's already highlighted, is, is kind of you know, a mug's game at the best of times. But I do think if you were interested in Select Harvest, if you like the business, 
there's also a time that you know buying buy miners at, at a high PE with cyclically low earnings is generally a good investment strategy if you're looking for that sort of thing. I think it's also true of agriculture stocks. Uh, we recommend, uh, by the way, elders at a, at a much cheaper price ages ago where we saw the turnaround because of exactly that. Maybe in hindsight we missed the top, maybe not. We'll find out. Um, but that's the sort of opportunity I think you can find. I don't love single crop. I don't love um, effectively the kind of the challenges that Ben's already the water challenge and others. It's a, it's a it's not a very diversified. At least Elders has got you know five or six different different yeah. leagues. Not that it saved it yesterday, um, but it's got different things it can rely on. Sometimes they will move in sync. Sometimes they don't. Uh, yeah, I, it's probably a hold for me. A hold with with a with a tendency towards a buy mate for those who either have a have a, a you know a bit of risk tolerance and a longer term time horizon because it may take one, two, three, four years for this to actually turn around if the weather doesn't arrive with the way the company and, and investors expect. And so this might be one you feel like you're wrong about for a long time, yep. but I don't think there's anything fundamentally broken about the company. So if mm-hmm. you look at the current level of earnings and say, hey, you know, could it get worse? Of course it could, but is it likely to be better at some time in the not too distant future? I think probably, yeah, meaningfully. Okay. Um, so that's probably the opportunity if you've got the time horizon. All right. Uh, and next up will uh, goes tech and uh, Flynn wants a view, Scott, on Webit Nano, the uh, memory and semiconductor technology uh, company sort of building uh, memory cards that are, uh, are bigger and faster and, and cheaper. Mm. Um, yeah, who would have thought we would have had a, uh, um, a memory technology company based here in Australia, when there are such giants overseas. Uh, you missed the opportunity, Crush say from nuts to chips, but I'll do it for right, you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, uh, look, so I, I find this one really challenging from a, from a valuation perspective. 10 straight years of losses while the company tries to develop and then scale up uh, to be a business that has the ability to compete really significantly on a global stage. Uh, and this is always the challenge with these sorts of businesses. Uh, you're right, absolutely, matter. I'd love, you know, if in five years time we look back and go, wow, you know, look how well we've it. Nano's done, Australian company, got, you know, done good. Uh, we'd all love that to be the case. I, the question is, can you really buy this business with a, with a, with a high likelihood of an expectation of, of really good performance from here? Um, there's a lot of, as you can already see there, expectation and excitement in the share price for a loss-making business um, to have tripled in the space of 12 months. Obviously, investors are expecting a lot more. The company's getting closer to commercialization. And these are ones that really can go either way, mate. We all know those businesses that have effectively J-curved really quickly, right? You kind of go from loss, loss, loss. As soon as you hit commercialization, uh, things can really swing upwards and swing up really hard and really, really significantly. So that's the opportunity, I think, for, for investors. The challenge, of course, is we also know those who've never quite got there or, or who spend years just almost maybe possibly getting there. I can't say it's a it's a buy. If you own it, you probably own it on the basis of you being prepared to take that higher risk for the potential rewards. I'm not going to tell you to rush out and sell the company. There's nothing meaningful to say that things have deteriorated. Things are probably on balance improving. Doesn't mean you've paid a good price. Doesn't mean it's necessarily going to go well. But I can't say objectively it's a sell. Uh, but I, I I couldn't buy it. I couldn't recommend to buy it for right. now. Um, uh, good luck for those who, who own it. I hope they do really, really nicely. But I, I can't see enough of a... A likelihood again. It's a probabilities game, right? Uh, how big is the upside? Don't know. How likely is it? Very hard to tell. Uh, I'd sit on the sidelines on this one. Okay, so hold if you're in it. Yeah. Okay. Ben, the last twelve months. Yeah. Bring back the twelve month chart if we if we can, Jared. And um, um, like what it's done during a tech wreck. Extraordinary. Um, <laughs> I made two bucks. Yeah. To six bucks. It did get to eight around that eight fifty mark. If you've been in there since the start of the year, 
do you, do you take money off the table? That's at a time where tech stocks have had a terrible time, you know, except for a couple of the leaders. Yeah. It's the amazing. It's crazy. I mean, on that longer term one we saw before, yeah. I think it was two cents two five cents. years ago. Yeah, yeah. 10,000% oh, increase. It's insane. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm unfortunately going to completely mirror Scott's comments here. We're both going to sit on the fence because, I, look, I, I really, I think you really have to understand that the, the technology and what they're doing is so complex and I think so um, niche that I, I, I have no idea. Um, they, they've got a $1.4 billion market cap. They've yep. got no revenue and they're burning $10 million a quarter. But that's the path that those businesses need to take. So that's not necessarily a bad thing. A bad thing. It's yeah. it's it's kind of like it's not a traditional business. No, I think you'll look back in another three years and think this could be a thirty dollars share or it could be a one dollars share. Right. And it's going to depend on how good the technology is and how rapidly it gets taken up and their ability to manage. They have just done a raising, so they just raised yep. sixty. So they've got plenty of cash in the tin now, which is good. But one point, like, how do you value it? It's, yeah. it's really hard. And I, I think you need to be really specialised in this area to, yeah. um, to understand. So you've tripled your money this year. Take some profit. Right. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That's and, what, and keep taking some profit. You know, just skim right. some money out. I, at a minimum, I think, take out your capital um, yeah. that you put into it and it's all profit and you can't lose any money from there. Yeah. And if it put on another couple of dollars, just take 10% out of your holding and just keep yeah. skimming it because it has been very volatile. So, um, you know, there's been periods where it's been a you know good time to sell. Okay. All right. Our next stock uh, is a different one. It's, uh, it's a trust, an income trust. Um, and Lyndon wants to be on the Metrics Master Income Trust. Lyndon says, was wondering if these would be appropriate as an income exposure in the current economic environment. Ben, do you know, I haven't come across the Metrics Master Income Trust. Yeah, look, they're, they're good managers. I, I, I think they've got a really good reputation. So what the, what they effectively do with the, it's, a, it's effectively a listed investment company. Yeah. Um, and that is just something I would highlight. But. What, what they're doing is they're using shareholder funds to lend to businesses who are paying them a return that they're then paying oh. back as a, I think it's a monthly distribution. I won't go into the nuts and bolts because I'm obviously not the manager, so I'm sure the manager could give us a better spiel. But their, their target is to pay a 3.25% margin over whatever the RBA cash rate is. So that's about a 7% return okay. they're now targeting. And that's because uh, if they lend Woolworths wouldn't, money wouldn't or... Uh, it wouldn't be frank. No, no, because right. it'd, it'd be income. income. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah. And so what you're basically betting is that the manager lends this money wisely, gets paid on maturity, and right. um, there's a, a very large uh, uh, portfolio of loans that it's put out in a lot of different industries, and that is maybe one of the advantages. Now, just one thing I will point out is what happened back in June there, yeah. and it is just something to remember is that because this is a listed investment company, the share price is not always going to reflect the asset backing of the company as yep. a unitized trust would. And that might would be maybe my only qualm here is that we have seen over the last few years that there has been short periods where the share price has disconnected from asset backing and it's trading at an almost bang on asset oh, backing now. So you can see there. Um, yeah. So that would be buy opportunities. They, absolutely. You know, both of them in and and. That 
maybe this is one you put on your radar where if you get a washout in the market on fears about the economy, effectively, you know, on on face value, investors were freaking that some of these loans weren't going to be repaid. It's more likely it was a liquidity thing. People just needed money during that time. And they're probably looking at other stocks they own thinking, oh, that's dropped 40%. This has only dropped 10. So I'll take my money out here. And that's when you can get really good returns. So... Again, I'm going to go hold. I would say also just one last point. Private credit is having a moment. Um, I think, you know, both in America and in Australia, banks are pulling back from lending. There is a... It's a good old-fashioned credit squeeze, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Right. And there are still good companies that potentially could go to metrics and borrow at a cheaper rate than they can from CBA. Right. Just because CBA doesn't want exposure in office or, you know, somewhere. So, like, it it looks pretty reasonable. Okay. All right. Hold for you. Scott, what do you think of metrics? Yeah, I'm not going to disagree much with Ben. I'll I'll probably just highlight a bit of what I think is maybe some downside risk for investors to think about. And uh, spoiler alert, I'm going to go hold as well. Um, because largely of that net tangible asset back, you know, you know, you're buying a book value, you're getting the quality of the assets, That's you're getting what you're getting. There's no obvious, um, particularly wonderful buying opportunity in this one, so it's a straight through hold. What I would say is with the income products, you've got to be very, very careful, right? There are some great uh, credit managers, and the challenge with these guys is the upside is effectively capped at the at the interest rate, right? Unless, unless you're carrying convertible debt or something else. The downside, though, if the company or, or the corporation doesn't pay you back, is much, much, much larger. And so you've got to get this really asymmetric bet. Now, that's, frankly, every bank ever and, and every credit provider ever, and most of them are completely fine. But I just want to highlight that because normally with investing, you're looking for something that has meaningful long-term upside, at least I am. Uh, not, not not shoot the moon stuff. We talked about Weebit. Now, no, I'm not, not touching that, despite the fact it could be, as Ben said, a $30 stock or a $1 stock at some point. Um, the, the simple reality with these guys is the upside is relatively limited. You kind of know what you're doing. You know what your exposures are. Hopefully doing really good credit checking and really good company analysis. Uh, there are some very, very famous uh, debt funds, Oakmar Capital, Howard Marks Business, probably the, the most well-known globally, but heaps of others besides, who do a really, really, really smart job. So there is a lot of money to be made if you get it right. The problem is, as I said, there's a very asymmetric downside risk if you get it wrong. Right. Now we're heading into a potentially tougher economic circumstance over the next six, 12, 18 months than we have in the past. No guarantees, no predictions, but we are heading in that direction. And if I had a couple of defaults, again, depending on how big they are, how diversified the trust is, you know, how, how impactful those are, they can be more impactful than maybe you might think. And a lot of people look at you know, income and say, well, I'm getting a lower return, but at least I'm getting the income. I guess I'm just saying the at least I'm getting the income thing doesn't always come true. Right. Uh, yeah. And again, I'm not, I'm not saying there's a risk of this particular business at all. It's more, more a general sector or, or category or, or business style. Um, comment, business model comment, but just just be mindful of that. Is if you're grabbing income, if you're foregoing that upside, you'll be very, very, very sure they're going to be good at collecting and make sure they've had some some really, really thoughtful, deep, and hopefully relatively conservative credit management decisions being made. So just keep that in mind. Uh, but I'm with Ben to hold it at one time. Okay. All right. Uh, Michael wants a view, uh, Scott, on Emerald Resources, the uh, explorer developer of gold projects uh, basically in Cambodia. Michael says, currently mining gold at 800 US dollars an ounce. They seem to have an excellent management, according to Michael. Uh, Is Emerald Resources at the top of your gold list? (laughs) <laughs> I don't have a very long gold list, Koshi. What I, what I like about Emerald, where I think there's some opportunity potentially, look, so I'm going to say upright, uh, for me, this is going to be a hold. So yep. again, I'll, I'll declare that. Largely because this is a business, it's made, it made profit once 
in the last nine years before 2022, and that was way back in 2014. Now, in 2022, all of a sudden, they went from a loss of, what was it, two, three cents a share to a profit of eight cents a share. That turnaround has been really impressive. It now puts the company on a P of about 24 times. The thing with commercialized production is when you start to get economies of scale, that can really, we talked about J-curve before, that can really move the dial quite significantly. So that's a big option. You see the share price there. I mean, that's, that's been the story. They got closer and closer. This is one that actually has crossed that chasm, at least in one year, to not only production, but really profitable production. Returns on equity, by the way, almost 20%, which is really impressive for, for a gold miner. Now, what you have to, I guess, have a very strong view on is, firstly, the gold price, as I've said many times before. Um, you can control your operation, you control your costs, you control your efficiencies and your, your safety. You can't control the price you sell your product at. That makes it really, really tough. Uh, so, you, so firstly, you've got to have a sense of what the price, the gold price may or may not do. Uh, you also got to have a sense of how well these guys can keep commercializing and what those future margins look like. And you are, you know, this is, this is, this is, I'm going to, I'm going to say this is share price almost certainly won't be the same this time next year uh, when the new lot of earnings come through. But what will it be? Will it be meaningfully higher, meaningfully lower? I can see, I can make an argument for both. And so really, honestly, if you if you bought it particularly early on, if you waited for this to happen, you're pretty happy, hopefully, uh, with, the, with the returns. You're hope, yeah, hopefully happy with the share price. Um, if you still like the idea, if you're still there for where it can go from here, then by all means, hang on. So to Ben's point a little bit earlier, though, to some degree, if you kind of had it held on for this exact event, have a look at your, your investment thesis. Because if it was always, hey, I'm going to hang on this forever, no matter what, see how much money it could possibly make at the, you know, at the end of time, then go for it. If your, if your thesis was, I bought it for a really cheap price, it was always a bit speculative. Hey, guess what? This has really worked out. Um, I've, ha- I've had that. The thesis was, what if they get commercialization and are profitable and the share price goes up? You've, you've had exactly that experience. And congratulations. But now might be the time to reassess and say, yeah, if, if that's happened, if that's, if that's played out, maybe something mm. to take some money off the table. So okay. uh, I think it's probably a hold as it is, but I really would reassess why you own it if you own it, uh, what you're looking for, what you really think, and trying to be logged in that false sense of security of like, well, it started going up. Maybe we'll keep going up. Maybe I'll hang on for the ride. It could be great, by the way. Uh, but bear in mind, if it's not, uh, you might ruin the chance to sell out earlier. Of course, if you sell out, you may ruin the chance of not holding on. But just keep that in mind as you, as you think through okay. your ideas. Okay, a hold, but consider t- taking some profits. Uh, I think so. Ben? I'm not a big gold expert, but this had some really good metrics. Um, I, I agree with the um, with the viewer that the management have done a great job. Yeah. Um, it's very low cost of production in a you know in an environment where everyone's struggling with cost inflation. Yeah. Uh, it's um, they've spent only a hundred million dollars. It felt like getting in this mine up and running, which seems like a very low figure. So that's you know some big ticks there. Eighty mil in cash on the balance sheet, but look the the, the I'm going to go sell, and it's not a criticism of the company. It's more the $1.2 billion valuation and the short mine life. So yeah. at the moment, this mine's got a mine life of seven years, um, which is quite short. And so they're going to, they, I think they are doing some drilling around the mine to try and prove out. And that could be something which could change the outlook for the business. But at this stage, what's going to happen is that as you tip into year three and year four, and I think this is into year two or something now, you start to look out and think there's not much longer to go. And um, they've got some apparently a good prospect in WA, which could turn into a a significant resource. And maybe that comes through and helps them. But it's tough as a a miner. I remember one we have with Samphire years ago and um, an incredibly profitable copper mine, which in the the lesson I learned from it is the share price never reflected what I thought were the year-to-year fundamentals because it was an eight-year mine. And right. um, 
the market's never going to pay like a normal company if it's not sure. So, but everything else looks good. Yeah. So, um, and you've had a good run. You've made some money. Take some profit. Money, take some profit. Yeah. So go. All right, our fit stock. Um, ben John wants a view on Jumbo Interactive, the uh, uh, basically the tech business that is in the online lotteries, both here and also they're expanding overseas. Yeah, so you know, an interesting business. I think we did this one last yeah. time I was on, and um, there's again, there's probably some things going for this and some challenges. The the, the big challenge for this company is. The relationship it's got with the Lottery Corporation, TLC, yep. which is also listed spun out of Tabcorp, uh, where Jumbo is effectively a reseller um, of, of that business, but doesn't hold the power in that relationship. And, um, you know, there's like a, something I point to is um, Jum- Jumbo was less profitable last half because TLC put through a uh, increased its service fee in inverted commas from two and a half to three and a half percent, which um, right. that in, made a big difference. That that pushes through onto Jumbo's profitability, but it is generating fifty percent EBIT margins, and it is a big reseller of overseas lotteries, um, which we know have these, you know, enormous pays, and yep. um, it feels like more and more Australians are buying tickets in them. It's a it's a really uh, recession-proof area. It's it's it arguably does well in a recession in some ways. I, I'm going to go a hold again. This is a see a holds, but 20 times forward earnings, four percent fully franked. Numbers look good. Doesn't look that cheap. Has some issues. I'll go hold. Okay, Scott. Yeah, I will disclose up front. I own shares in Jumbo, uh, so uh, you might assume I'm going to say it's a buy, and I am. Uh, so, but hopefully not because I have skin in the game. Hopefully, I own it because I think it's a buy. So let's let's try and make sure it's that way around. But uh, viewers and, and you guys can hold me accountable to this. Uh, I you're you're absolutely right, Ben. What what worries me most about Jumbo, let's start with the downsides, despite it's a buy, is it it relies on the good graces of somebody else. Uh, it wasn't that long ago, and the company's name is escaping me now. Ben, you'll remember. Uh, Kosh, you probably know too. That Telstra used a, a reseller uh, deal with with some uh, one of the companies. Vita Group. Um, and it had Vita Group. Second. There we go. Thank you. Uh, and it was a really, really good job. It was a, a fantastic company doing a fantastic job. Uh, Telstra had nothing to fear from that, except it decided it wanted to do it itself for its own reasons. And so what you have is this business that operated effectively, not quite solely, had a couple of other small arms, but effectively operated at the good graces of Telstra. Uh, when it comes to, to Jumbo, it's absolutely in the same boat. If and when the Lottery Corporation says, thanks very much, we'll take it from here, guys, um, then the vast bulk of that business goes away. Now, they're trying desperately uh, to do different deals, uh, to grow their lotteries in a box business, to move in overseas, move to non-profits, trying to find any other way uh, to try and diversify the business away from that massive risk. But it is absolutely there. Uh, and frankly, at some point, it may well come to pass that Lodge uh, Corporation says thanks, but no thanks, and the share price will fall precipitously on that day. So you just need to keep that in the back of your mind. This is not one for the faint of heart. It's not one for the Capital Preservation Group. Uh, if you're looking for that, this is not your company. But there's some really, really nice tailwinds working also in Jumbo's favor despite that. Um, the, the number of, of lotteries, products, and players continues to increase. The amount of money people are spending on lotteries continues to increase. Now, you have your own ethical and moral views on that, but those things are true. The prices are going up. Lottery Corporation is putting the prices up 9% on some products. Powerball, I think, is up 9%. Uh, and what I like about Jumbo most specifically over the Lottery Corporation in terms of pure upside is these guys are entirely digital. Now, the Lottery Corporation is getting a, a nice benefit from players going digital. They're higher margin. They're easier to get onto. Obviously, you don't have to go to the, to the news agent. You can jump online and, and bet anytime you want or gamble anytime you want. You can buy a lot of ticket pretty much at, at your leisure. 
those things are really good. So it's a really nice direction for the Lottery Corporation. The Jumbo gets the full benefit of that. The, the upside there is, I think, going to be continually impressive. And so to some degree, Ben's right. This is not a cheap stock. Um, there is that really one big, very significant, re- very real downside risk. I don't want to shadow it. I gloss over it for a second. But the upside is you then continue to get more and more players spending more and more money online specifically. So Lottery is going to grow by a bit. Online Lottery is going to grow by quite a bit. Uh, and, and Jumbo is really, really well placed to take advantage of that. I don't give a lot of value, quite honestly, guys, to those uh, potential diversification slash growth businesses. I'm not putting a lot of money, a lot of store into the value for that. I'm saying, hey, it works. There's some great upside. Let's take it. We'll, we'll grab it and run. Uh, but I'm not, I'm not putting a lot of value in that. I think the current business is a buy. There is a price you'd go to hold. It might not be that much more above today's share price, really, frankly. So, um, you know, there's, there's a price for this, particularly while that growth business becomes something, hopefully. But, but until it does, you can't give it too much value. So mm. it's a buy for me at the current price. Yeah, maybe not that much higher. I think it's got a really nice long-term tailwind to come. Okay, uh, not long ago we talked, to, or a fair couple of months ago, about Jumbo. And uh, to back your point, Scott, uh, they were they were uh, had been given government approval to change the algorithm. Yeah. Uh, to, and I forget the flash term that they use. It was some highfalutin term, yeah. basically to say they'd be, been given uh, approval to to rig the chances of winning yeah. back again. Um, yeah, I'm trying to remember what favor. the term is as well. Yeah, yeah, some analyst thing. But Basically uh, means the jackpot goes off less frequently. That's right. Which uh, <laughs> and yeah. bigger, bigger jackpots. Yeah with bigger margins, but it goes off less frequently. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's recap the uh, the first five stocks, including our stock of the day. James Hardy, uh, a sell from Scott, a hold from Ben. Select Harvest, a hold from both. We bit Nano um, after a fantastic run, a hold from Scott. Take profits, um, Ben would take profits in your inner. Get your capital out uh, and see what, what the profits do into the future, but at least because uh, it's um, you know very volatile stock. Uh, metrics Income Trust, a hold from both. Emerald Resources, uh, a hold to take profits from Scott and certainly uh, Ben would take profits at these levels. Jumbo, a buy from Scott and a hold from Ben. Here on the call, we've been tracking our own high conviction fantasy fund as picked by the Investment Committee. Latest committee meeting, the May one, is on the platform now, osbiz.com. Let's check to see what that committee meeting did. They trimmed a percent from Macquarie Group, West Farmers and Elders. That looks good a day after that report. Uh, they added a percent to WiseTech, uh, MA and Cash and Ostel was replaced by Kelsian Group. And uh, since the uh, fund has been inception, it's up 10% a year. Um, uh, for, keep sending your, your stocks into the call, suggestions in the call, that's a first, first filter to the investment committee. Uh, this half hour, um, you've asked us to take a look at Alchem, Ingham's, Trajan Group, SG Fleet Group, and 4D Medical. Uh, Bruce wants a view on Alchem. Uh, Scott, it's all done and dusted there, is it? As far as I know, mate, and this is not one that I'm particularly fond of anyway. So right. <laughs> if, you, um, big if, if you've got producer. the opportunity, sell your shares. Exactly. Yeah. Sell your shares, take your money, uh, walk away and, and be happy. Yeah. Uh, look, I, I guess the challenge here is if you, if you believe truly in the, in the thesis, you might want to find something else in the lithium space to put your money into. But yeah, look, for all intents and purposes, uh, I mean, look, anything's possible, mate. There's, a, there's always a chance of another deal or maybe the deal falls through. 
but I shouldn't. I shouldn't assume. I shouldn't say it's all done, Dustin. That was a bit of shorthand. Um, these are challenging situations because it wouldn't take much for someone to walk away and the shares fall meaningfully back and say, "Man, I wish I'd taken my money." You sell it now. The other bidder comes in in a week's time, and you go, "Oh, I wish I held the shares." Uh, or you can say, "Burn the hands worth two in the bush." Uh, that's my general view, and I take the cash. Right, Ben, would you take the cash? Um, I don't think you have an option to. So you're going to end up with shares in a listed entity. So in the, UCO. In UCO. And and the from my reading of it, just correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. The US. Canada. Canadian shareholders yeah. get a worse deal converting into the new company than Alchem shareholders. Yeah, they, they have a, a smaller percentage of the combined entity, yeah. but it was pretty close. It was right. like 53, 47 or something. Right. Okay. So how it's going to work is the primary listing is going to be in Canada, right? and then they'll issue a CDI in off the yeah. ASX, which will yeah. track the Canadian right. price. Okay. Um, it's a bit of a tricky one because probably none of us had heard of this company that they were merging with until a week ago. Um, they've done an amazing it's job. It's a big group, though. It's, it's going to be Massive. a $16 billion yeah. company. This was a minnow five years ago. So, yeah. um, like, hats off to them. Incredible effort. I, you know, I, I had lunch with a guy who um, it's like one of the early shareholders, and he had a one-on-one with the CEO that morning. And... Um, he was. He, he thinks it's got a lot further to go, and he's been very good on it. So, I, I mean, his view was everyone's going to discount it, then do the work, and then they're going to go. Well, hang on, they they've got complementary mines very close to each other in a number of jurisdictions. Right. So there's a lot of cost benefits. Um, the the big point of the deal was that all of the countries that they're producing in fall into the Biden um, list of approved countries that get uh, a lot of these... Um, strategic funding. Yeah, it's like a trillion program. dollar fund that he's yeah. rolled out. Um, and I think you've got... Uh, the, the interesting thing is going to be bringing the company together. Like the Aussie C, I think, has gone. Um, um, the the chairman, who the name escapes, and Peter Coleman has coming in to, I think, oversee it. Yeah. Um, so it's that's that's going to be... It's always difficult with companies um, to bring two different businesses yeah. compl- together, but I think it looks all right. Thirteen times, I'll go a hold. Okay. Yeah, lithium price okay. looks like it's stabilised. Okay, so you, you've got three options, really, is that you know, that you take your money and run here? Yeah. Or you hold. Yeah. And go through the deal. Yeah. Um, but you're saying I even the through. boss. Yeah, says it'll probably be discounted in the early days because people don't understand. Well, so uh, yeah. why, why wouldn't you take your money now and then hold on and wait for the pullback as people do their numbers? Well, I think the the, the market reaction you can see has been pretty good, yeah, and no, that's um, point. so yeah. like the 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 amount of money that transacts each day is saying this looks like a good deal. I can understand why it could. Probably a okay. part of that also is you know the lithium price was very weak. Yeah. And it has bounced a bit recently. So we've seen a bounce across all of the players in that yeah. sector. Yeah, yeah. Well, because and of everyone's going, oh, Pilbara will be the next or whatever. It's, you could it see it. I mean, bubble, you know, like Chile effectively nationalised its lithium industry a yeah. month ago. And Australia has got to be seen as a pretty good place to be. Yeah. And there's, you know, less and less of these high quality assets really out there now. Yeah. Okay. So hold and go through with the deal. All right, uh, Mim wants a view, Ben, on Inghams. We're going to go from lithium to chooks. 
<laughs> uh, Australia's biggest poultry provider, but is in food stock, um, feedlots and grain yeah. and the whole thing, everything to do with chooks. Yeah, private equity made a fortune on this deal yep. a while ago. Um, I, I, which is I'm, always bad. Which is always bad. You probably want, <laughs> a rule of thumb, you want three years to give the accounting wizardry that private equity can pull off um, mm. to be flushed out through the accounts once a business comes right. to market. Uh, but that has you know, well and truly happened. And um, I'm going to go sell. Uh, so Ingham's is facing a lot of issues, largely on the inflation side of their business. And yeah. um, you know, like another lesson I've learned is businesses that have Woolworths or Coles as their primary point of sale, it's really hard. You know, that, those right. companies got so much power. And um, the issue that Ingham's have had is they've had a lot of cost inflation and they've struggled to pass that through right. on price increases. Because Coles and Woolies are saying we're freezing prices for six months and that's part of their marketing. So yeah. you'd buy Coles and Woolies rather than something like this. And they've got, you know, the Woolworths own brand, which they're effectively yeah. competing against Ingham's in the same you know, Which Ingham's probably produce for them. Probably, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> the balance sheet looks like it was under a bit of pressure to me. Uh, right. So, I, you know, that's not a good look. And it is another hallmark of private equity is bringing to the market yeah. businesses that are too highly geared. Yeah. And then the, the public investors have to go through the pain of yeah. recapitalising that potentially. Yeah. So, I, got I don't stung. know. I Just got stung with Meyer when it came <laughs> We've all got one. So I've been damaged. Um, What do you reckon, Scott, on Ingham's? Yeah, I'm I'm absolutely with Ben. We'll find some way to disagree later in the the show. Um, A commodity provider selling relatively, I won't say unbranded, people know and love the Ingham's brand, but how much more do you pay for an Ingham's truck than someone else's? Uh, Anything? Probably not. Uh, And then you're supplying, as Ben's already said, to two of the biggest can I say bullies in, in, in the in the schoolyard, right? They're gonna they're gonna demand their pound of flesh. Bullies calls offend. I've been a, a worked for an FMCG businesses before. They're great to deal with as long as you guys are aligned. As soon as they want something, you don't want to give them or vice versa. Um, they're very 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 tractable. Uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't see where the returns come from here. It's a commodity business, it's a volume business. Maybe we eat more chicken over time. Maybe they can value add somehow. Maybe they can convince Woolies or Coles to give them a break. Um, that's a really really tough ask from particularly from the current share price. At a price, there's probably something there. As Ben said, you know, private. There was an old line, gosh, you'd remember this. Um, Ben's not old enough, I don't think. Uh, you know, you, you don't want to buy from Kerry Packer, right? You don't want to be on the other side of a deal with Kerry Packer. If Packer was selling, you don't want to be buying. If Packer was buying, you don't want to be selling. PE is kind of the same. You want to be really, really, really careful, right? As soon as PE says we're done, now, there's different reasons. They want to cycle their money more quickly than maybe long term investors, or they have different expectations. They want to get the cash back and leverage it up and whatever. But as soon as they're selling, you yep. generally speak, as a matter of course, if you bought nothing PE sold, I reckon you do better than selling, buying everything PE sold, put it that way. So <laughs> yeah. just, just just be a little bit careful. Yep. I don't like this business at all. There's, there's not much to, to, to go for it, unfortunately. I wish it was. We Again, I, lo- I love brands. I love Australian brands. I wish I could say it's the best business in the world. It's just not. Uh, okay. Yeah, I'd sell it if I owned. What was the classic Packer 1 eCorp? Remember that back in the early 2000.com boom and bust? One tell. One two, yeah. yeah that's oh, right. Well, okay. Yeah. All right. We're in a few. Tick them off. Jeez, we are old. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> Alex wants a view, Scott, on Trajan Group. They're mm. manufacturer of analytical and life sciences products. It says it is. Uh, six manufacturing sites around the world. What do you think of Trajan? Alex wants a view on that. 
Yeah, I find this one really hard, Koshi. This is very much in that space of small company with big plans, and maybe if they come off, we'll all make a fortune. If they don't come off, they don't come off. Uh, I I find this one a really, really difficult one to, to analyze. Mate. It's only a couple of years of public market history. It, the, the worst part of that is that cash flow from, oh, sorry, sales from $1.90 a share to $0.79 cents, uh, year on year. Uh, cash flow from $0.24 cents to $0.02. Cents. Uh, earnings were positive, by the way, from nothing to, to a $0.04 cent gain. So depending which way you want to analyze this, you can find a reason to love it. Uh, and again, if they can continue to, to grow those earnings, maybe you're in a better place. Um, very, very hard to get a straight read on a business using the data when their sales are falling that dramatically and their cash flows fall that dramatically, just in terms of what the future might look like. And again, that's you don't want to just extrapolate, right? The old Buffett quote of, you know, if history was the only thing that mattered, then the richest people in the world would be librarians. It's a really nice line. It's a reminder not just to take historical data and say, let's push it forward. If, I mean, if that was true, computers would do it and, and, and the three of us would go and sit on the beach somewhere. But um, the, the reality is that, you know, you can't just do that. The flip side of that is, when you look at that history and say, what do I take from a relatively newly listed business that gives me enough confidence to have a view on what the future might look like? And you got to say, well, I, I just don't know, mate. It's, you know, uh, we talk regularly about the, the size of the too hard basket. I've got a massive too hard pie. You look at that and go, can, do I feel comfortable and confident enough to make it one of my best ideas to put in the portfolio? I, I don't know how you do. Maybe as a speculation, maybe as a small company come good. They're, they're tiny in size, right? So there's, there's a chance that at some point that maybe... Things all of a sudden improve. It doesn't take much because you're, you're small. So you, you can, again, speak the J curve. I mentioned it three times so far. Those things can happen really quickly and, and, and make people like me look silly. But there's, just, there's, not enough, there's not enough history, not enough confidence in the operating history of the business to say that I want to buy this at the current price. So, no. I mean, honestly, if you gave me the shares, I'd sell them and take the money. I, I can't say that people who are in it shouldn't be, but I don't see a lot to yeah. recommend it as a, as a likely long-term outperformer. And Ben, do new IPOs yeah. follow your private equity theory? Because this this got after the IPOs we saw on the five year chart. There, it's only been listed two or three years. Yeah. It got to four dollars thirty five. Yeah. yeah, and said then it wobbled around a bit for maybe nine or twelve months, and then it's just fallen off a cliff. Floor. I think this is a founder led business because right. one comment i you know it's, it's always tricky with a liquid stocks you can look at it both ways if yeah. it's a liquid for the right reasons maybe that's good but you need to be aware of it yeah. this stock is so illiquid right. so okay. it is an issue where you've really i think it, you've really got to like this business to to buy it because you might not be able to get out of it if right. you've proven wrong um and um so i'm not sure what the private history was but i'm pretty sure it did quite well um, with a founder who's still a very large shareholder. Um, but I'd like to look at what happened two years ago. Did he sell down into the float? Yep. The other, not red flag I'd have, but I, it, it, from the quick, because I'd never really looked at this company before, so don't um, take this all with a grain of salt, is the numbers all look good. You know, the, the EBITDA versus what they're guiding, it all looks good. But they've acquired four companies since they've been listed. So it looks like this is, you know, maybe a bit of a roll up or, you know, arbitraging a public market valuation and private market valuations. And so I want to be looking at, of the growth that they're forecasting, how much of that was bought and how, and what's organic. And um, I I couldn't have, I didn't, yeah, I didn't have time to do it. Um, But, that's something I want to be thinking about and aware of. And uh, but you know that 
the market's telling you something's a bit amiss here mm. because the, the news generally look like it's been quite good. But the share price has fallen off a cliff and mm. um, something's not adding up. Right. Okay. right? So I'll, I'll go hold. Oh. Uh, but I'd further investigation because, okay. you know, there is some interesting things that they're doing and there's right. you know, some things to like there as well. Something a bit more uh, conservative, John wants a view, Ben, on SG Fleet Group, the fleet management, accounting, packaging uh, yeah. business. And John says, uh, do you like SG Fleet Group and how does it compare? Because there's a few in the market here. There are. There's Macmillan Shakespeare um, and there's one other, which I will think of. It's but like you. Yeah, yeah, Smart Group. Um, yeah. Or very similar businesses. Some are more exposed on the vehicle leasing side, and some of the more like Macmillan Shakespeare, I think, is more on the salary packaging, packaging side. Yeah. Um, so that's probably first point. Is there's always been some regulatory risk with these businesses because um, um, if Labor came out and said we're going to change the rules around tax, um, where you're bundling vehicles yep. into your um, package, FPT. that would be a big yep. thing. FPT. Um, Exposure to the economy is a real risk with these businesses. Uh, if there was, you know, uh, uh, job layoffs, it's probably going to be affecting the sort of people that SG Fleet are, are clients of. And um, then you get to a case where the vehicle's been returned back to the company because they're no longer employed by mm. the company. They've had, on the flip side, they have had a lot of issues with um, actually, you know, of course, finding the new cars. <laughs> yeah. That was a big issue through COVID. And so, we had an employment boom, but uh, a lot of employees apparently couldn't get the vehicle they were entitled to as part of their package because they yep. couldn't find them to buy, or you know that the, the margins. Long were so long. Yeah, yeah, margins are under pressure because you can't get the buying power because probably the manufacturers will like take it or leave it, we'll sell it to someone else. Yeah, you'd think that'd be alleviating. It's it's the economic thing that would worry me. It's. Right. Um, and just another thing that could go, I know I'm contradicting myself here, the, the EV rollout could be a big thing for them. If, you, if you've got companies seriously committing to zero carbon and um, being a zero carbon business, if you've got 5,000 employees driving around in petrol cars, it's very hard for you to commit to that. Right, okay. Um, so if, if you've got good incentives from government to go EV, which easily mm. could happen with a Labor government, um, that could be a real win for them because right. you would get a lot of um, transacting occurring. So what are you doing? Hold. Hold. <laughs> Scott? Yeah, I, Ben's done a great job actually of really highlighting the, the opportunities and challenges of this one because you do have limited supply, you've got an economic challenge, you've got uh, you know potential disruption coming down down the pike and it's a really difficult one to kind of put your finger on uh, as a as someone who works in the finance game I hate car leases generally speaking uh, so I'm, I'm more than happy if, if no one uses the product but of course they will continue to do that uh, and this is the this is the big one I think in terms of the likelihood of, of long-term success it's a very busy you know category SG fleet smart group Mamillion um, Shakespeare it's in different degrees and we just talked about that Ben's again done a great job that's so I'm not going to go with that same old ground. I'm slightly more positive than Ben is, though. I think on the current level of earnings, quite a bit can still go wrong. You don't necessarily get completely wiped out. It doesn't mean the share price won't be volatile. If you look at sort of long-term value creation from these guys, if they can do a half-decent job of maintaining or getting back to a current level of earnings over an extended period of time and going moderately, I think they probably will do okay. So uh, without, without disagreeing at, at all with Ben's analysis, I'll just have a slightly different view on the valuation. So I think it's probably a buy for me. Um, I do prefer Smart Group, by the way. So right. that's a, a recommendation of ours as a free one. 
So I, you know, and I probably would know them both. Quite frankly, you want some diversification. So you know, I guess Preferred I'm saying smart. on one hand, I, I, yeah, on one hand, if you want to buy it and you don't own Smart Group, for example, I don't see any reason not to. Gave me the choice, I'd buy a Smart Group, but I will, I will say, SG Fleet's a buy. Okay, all right, and our final stock. We'll need to uh, move through this really quickly for time. Uh, uh, Scott Patrick wants a view on 4D Medical, uh, medical imaging company in the uh, respiratory area. Uh, another one of these companies, Koshi, with with technology that I hope is spectacularly successful, and makes a lot of money for a lot of people. Buy letting medical professionals do some fantastically uh, advanced diagnosis. That would be that'd be a spectacularly great outcome for everybody. But this is a company with no sales and long-term, you know, no no, no profits. Uh, you're paying $250 million for that business. If someone offered it to you and said, hey, we've got this cool tech, do you want to buy, you want to buy it for $250 million? Maybe you'll make some money one day. I'd say, thanks, sounds interesting. Let's leave it in your hands. If you make some money, good luck to you. If you lose money, at least I'm glad I haven't done it. So okay. I hope it's successful. And look, one of those things, if I, if I don't buy it and it does well, then at least society's better off. If I do buy it and it goes badly, well, I've lost some money. So I can I can live with that sort of outcome. No, not not for me. It's a I, again, I, I wouldn't own it if I, if you gave me the shares, I'd sell them and buy something else. I, it's hard to value. I I think that's a sell. Yeah. Yeah, Ben, I got a hold. Um, not a company I, I would own either, but um, they have just signed up the University of Miami and the University of Virginia as made in customers. So right. as opposed to that wee bit nano, you've actually got some. Uh, uh, you know, there's a someone's telling you there that the technology actually yeah. has a commercial purpose. Because it comes out of Monash Uni here, does it? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, but you know, I remember ProMedicus at the start of the journey. We had a lot of these conversations. Been great. Now, who knows? Um, you know, Scott's right. It, it's it's at this stage no revenue, 250 market cap. They also have just done the the 35 mil capital raising. Did yeah. a great time. Share price is trading below the where they raised at. So I think probably a hold now. Okay. All right. Scott Phillips uh, from Molly Full. Great to see you, mate. Thank you kindly. Gosh, you Ben. Thank you, guys. It's been fun. And Ben from TMS. Good to see you. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Scott. Always great having these two on. Uh, let's recap the uh, the final five stocks. Alchem, uh, a sell from Scott. Take your money, Ryan. Uh, Ben's more on the hold side and go through the merger uh, and get shares in the um, in the new company. Ingham's a sell from both. Uh, Trajan and O from Scott, a hold from Ben. Uh, SG Fleet, a hold from Ben. Uh, buy from Scott, but in that sector, uh, Motley Fool prefers uh, Smart Group. Uh, and 4D Medical, a no from Scott and a hold from Ben. Um, if you'd like us to uh, cover any stocks that you have an interest in, uh, send them through osbiz.co slash callpicks or tweet us using the at TV handle. More of Osbiz coming after this. Don't go away. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.